Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, He's in conversation with Reverend Dr. Gina M. Stewart, Senior Pastor of Christ Missionary Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome, Dr. Stewart. It's good to be with you today. Thank you, Dr. Goatley. It's always a privilege and an honor to share with you and the Thriving in Ministry program. Wonderful. Well, you know, more than 50 pastors have been on pilgrimage together toward flourishing in ministry. Our assumption is that every round does not go higher and higher, that flourishing in ministry requires both striving and thriving, and that flourishing in ministry can be understood like a tree. Sometimes there are leaves, sometimes there are blossoms. Sometimes leaves may be falling away. Sometimes there are only branches. Still, the tree can be healthy and thriving. Can you describe for us what flourishing in ministry looks like to you? Sure. I um, appreciate the metaphor of a tree that you use to provide entry into this conversation because a tree does not always have leaves in every season. Uh, that, that does not necessarily mean that a tree ceases to be a tree, uh, but in the words of Alicia Britt Chalet, it just detracts all advertisement of what it is. And so when I think about um, what it means to flourish in ministry, I think about it from the standpoint, the word that immediately comes to mind is resilience. Because every profession has certain vocational or what I would call occupational hazards. And the pastorate is no exception. Pastors frequently deal with isolation. We deal with loneliness. We deal with exhaustion. 
We deal with feelings of failure. We deal with uncritical expectations. We often spend our time caring for others and find it difficult to care for ourselves. There's the shifting expectation of congregants and not only shifting expectations, but sometimes even unrealistic expectations. The relentless demands of weekly preparation, which involves preparation for worship and sermon preparation. And, and then, you know, if you can, there are times that the sermon preparation is compounded by the need to prepare for a eulogy or a member emergency. There's budget responsibilities and priorities. There are administrative duties. There's competition and comparison. And now we are actually in a pandemic. And all of these are these issues are issues that can weigh on a pastor's shoulder. And so the ability to, or the capacity to adapt, to change, to respond to the various challenges in the various seasons of life or seasons of ministry are very important because we, we learn to adapt to the changes that are taking place around us. And so for me, resilience has to do with our ability to respond effectively to these changes and crises and, and yet not be damaged or diminished by the experiences. Because what I found in 25 years of pastoring and ministry, that change is probably the only constant. Uh, well-being, even our well-being is not static. And so it goes with the flow of our lives and learning to ride those ebbs and flow, I believe is essential uh, to flourishing in ministry because not every day will be a day that we are in, in summer. If we were to borrow, continue to borrow the, the imagery of the tree. And, and in many ways we go through seasons in ministry. And so the ability to adapt, the ability to be resilient, uh, I think are very, is very important to flourishing in ministry. And I would also add Dr. Goatley that there are some, some essential elements of flourishing. And I, I think that those elements include self and soul care. Uh, I learned this through the Lot Carey pilgrimage uh, that you invited many of us to participate in several years ago. And self-care was one of the subjects that I had the responsibility for teaching and learning to not just talk about self-care, but learning to embody that as a part of my lifestyle and who I am, I think is so essential to flourishing in ministry because we only have one body to do this ministry in. And so while we are often given to work ourselves to death and often given to thinking that somehow our ability to be busy is an indicator of our effectiveness in ministry, it's not really what we read in scripture. We see that Jesus if we look at Jesus as a model, we see that Jesus often would steal away, or as I say, do a disappearing act for the sake of replenishing, because the demands of ministry are never ceasing. They, they are always there. And so we have to find, we have to incorporate and build in space in our lives for self-care. And then I would also say that soul care is that other element that's important to flourishing, that non-negotiable commitment to spiritual disciplines. Uh, for me, that's a non-negotiable element 
of flourishing, that that crucial link with the eternal God that Howard Thurman talks about is so essential uh, for flourishing in ministry because ministry can has a way of wearing on the soul. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we often struggle with feelings of failure, feelings of inadequacy can be uh, major distractions to us. And so that time of connecting with God so that we can return back to our sense of mission and identity and calling is very important to flourishing in ministry uh, because it's important to be who God has called us to be. And so often when we're looking at other people and looking at other ministries, we can become distracted by what we consider to be uh, tertiary symbols of success, uh, buildings, bodies and books, cameras, cars and cash. But returning back to that connection with God is a way of centering for me and reminding me of what's really important and also helping me to remain true, not only to uh, my congregation's mission, but I think it's central to my identity and calling as a preacher and pastor. I would also add that one of the other elements of, of uh, flourishing is knowing how to set healthy boundaries. Uh, I think to some degree, all preachers or pastors uh, are recovering uh, approval addicts or people pleasers. And that in many ways, uh, we come into the ministry because of our love for God and our love for people. But, but, but that love for God and our love for people and our love and our desire to make a difference, our desire to serve the present age, our desire to be a blessing to the people that we serve can often result in us saying yes when we really should say no. And the final thing I would say about flourishing is the necessity of holy friendships. Uh, we learned about this as well when we traveled with like Carrie, uh, those life-giving friendships, uh, those persons that are in our lives that can help us to not only celebrate those moments, but who also call us to accountability uh, and who help chat, who, who will come alongside us and challenge us. Those, those relationships that um, I call them those persons in our lives who will level with us without leveling us. <laughs> wow, you have really helped us to, to frame out um, some ways of, of thinking about uh, flourishing in ministry with resiliency and adaptability and those elements of self and soul care uh, and uh, healthy boundaries with margins and holy friendships. Those, if 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 we can do a little better than that, we might flourish uh, a little more. I'm thinking, and and so uh, one of the one of the uh, things that we are working on in our pilgrimages of striving and thriving is something that we call a formula for flourishing, not the formula, but a formula for flourishing, and that formula holds that. If a pastor's leadership capacity plus the service context yields ministry content, there is a higher probability for flourishing. So we're, we're assuming that there's an interrelationship between capacity, context, and, and content. And, and we don't assume that we can just drag and drop ministry models that you see something happening somewhere else. Uh, after right. all, you, you do not expect to, to see a palm tree flourish in Maine. Right. And so can you talk to us 
about how your context of service as a pastor in Memphis has informed your content of ministry? You must be true to your context because context matters. As you said, you wouldn't plant a palm tree in Maine because a palm tree would not survive in that climate. For me, my context context, context of service um, has been essential because ministry always happens in a context. It happens in a specific time, in a specific place. And there are cultures that tend to give shape and meaning and help inform our strategy uh, for ministry. For example, my ministry context is that I was elected to a congregation and I was fortunate to inherit a relatively stable congregation, which automatically gave me somewhat of an increased capacity for ministry because unlike some people, some pastors who are planters who have to start from scratch and build from the ground up, I was called to a church that already had a budget, that already had uh, cash flow, that already had some money in the bank. I was not called to a rich church, but I was called to a church that had resources, financial resources, that had assets, they had a building. So I had something to work with from the beginning. And not only did I inherit financial resources and assets, I also inherited human resources. I inherited an enthusiastic congregation who was energized by that moment in time, which in 1995, to be elected as a woman uh, to an established Baptist congregation was history making in and of itself. And so I inherited a congregation that was not only excited about being a pioneer, but was, was they, were, they were ready to do something fresh and new. And so they came with energy. They came with passion. They came um, with expectation. That kind of context helped to inform the content of my ministry. And not only that, but I serve in an inner city neighborhood. And so being in the inner city and, and not only being in, in, in the inner city, but also serving in a zip code that is the second poorest zip code in the city meant that I not only needed to pay attention to what was going on inside of our doors, but we needed to go pay attention to what was going on outside of our doors because we didn't want to just be a club. We wanted to be a ministry part of my pastoral philosophy and, and ministry philosophy, pastoral philosophy and theology and my ministry philosophy is that the church is an extension of the incarnation, that it is an extension of Christ's body as Dr. J.D. Otis Roberts talks about in the prophethood of believers and so black believers. And so for me, uh, being a ministry and being in that context meant that if we were really going to be a church and an extension of Christ's body, we could not just minister to the people that were inside of our doors. We also had a responsibility to minister to people who were outside of our doors. Hence, our church also has a very strong ministry of outreach to this day. Now, I cannot say that I was the originator of that outreach. I built on the legacy that I was handed from my predecessor, which is another element of my context. I, I inherited a church that had 
a legacy of service, a legacy of compassion, a legacy of ministry, that type of foundation, um, I believe was very essential, not only to my ministry content, but also to ministry strategy. A word to our listeners, Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world through prayer partnership, financial support, and technical assistance. We come alongside indigenously-led communities to support ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment, and advocacy. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You can invest in churches, schools, clinics, and more throughout the world. Visit us at lotcarry.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for your partnership in this ministry. Welcome back to the Lot Carry Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carey's Thriving in Ministry program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now back to more of the interview with Reverend Dr. Gina M. Stewart, Senior Pastor of the Christ Missionary Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Can you talk a little bit about how your capacity as a pastor contributes to that content uh, content, uh, of ministry? No pastor does everything well. Right. um, And, and, but, but uh, hopefully all of us do something reasonably well. Uh, So can you talk to us a little bit about how, at least in, in either either in general, how capacity affects content or maybe an example of how your capacity affects your content of ministry. When I think about capacity, another word that comes to mind is the bandwidth, bandwidth, because women in our tradition and women typically are not necessarily called to pass the churches as early as our male counterparts because many churches are still not really ready uh, to embrace women, even in, even in this particular time and space and season. Oftentimes women have worked in other arenas or in other fields before coming into the pastorate full time. And I was no exception. I had worked uh, as a director of admissions for a community college for about six years before being elected to serve as pastor full time. And so, as one of my mentors used to tell me, sometimes when, when, when God is calling us, it may seem that we are uh, taking a circuitous route 
uh, in terms of getting to where God has taken us. But even, even in that, no time is lost with God. And so those experiences, those skill sets that I acquired in my immediate past job, it's not the only job, but in my most immediate past job as director of admissions for a community college, although it was not a quote unquote ministry position, there were aspects about that job that really prepared me for ministry, particularly in the area of administration, particularly in the area of learning to work with various personalities and in leadership. All of those skills uh, I brought to the pastorate. Not only that, I had also just recently finished uh, seminary, which is where I met you, Dr. Golden. <laughs> and and even, even the classes that I had with you when you were there helped to shape and inform uh, the way I approach ministry and, and gave me a lens, if you will, for looking at ministry because I went through seminary that I don't know that I would have necessarily had had I not gone. Um, and that's not to say that I didn't bring experiences to uh, my seminary experience, but I think that going to seminary and then transitioning straight out of seminary right into the pastorate was really very helpful in terms of uh, enlarging, if you will, my capacity for ministry. But it's not, it was not just about my own personal capacity. What I've also learned is that, as you say, no particular pastor knows everything or can do everything. And, and my position is that they should not try. Uh, as Jethro said to Moses uh, in, in Exodus chapter 18, if you keep doing this, you will surely die. <laughs> so, so delegation uh, is very important because what I've discovered is that there are people that God has sent to our congregations who not only have who who are not only answers to our prayers, but they have the skill sets and the passion and the gifting, the spiritual gifting, uh, to plug into ministry to help enlarge our capacity as a ministry and empowering those members and delegating responsibility to those members, even if it means failing sometimes, giving people a safe space to try and even fail has also helped to enlarge our capacity because we learn not just from those things that are successful, but we also learn by the things that did not work as well. Would you mind uh, helping our listeners to know about some area of leadership that you had to develop as a pastor and how you went about doing it. One of the areas that, that comes to mind most immediately that I had to grow in and develop as a pastor is in, in the area of emotional intelligence. Um, and of course I didn't realize it initially, but I did my D-men work on emotional intelligence and I discovered that in my early days of pastoring, um, self-regulation and self-awareness were blind spots. Working on my EQ, you know, the people that write about emotional intelligence talk about how your EQ, your IQ can get you hired and your EQ can get you fired. 
Thank God. Thank God. I didn't. I never came close to getting fired. I don't get. I don't suppose now. They could have been thinking about. Some, I do pass the Baptist church, so there could have been something. Well, you only you only you only speak Sunday to Sunday, and I never. That's right. That's right. That's right. But just thinking about some of the things and the way I managed some things in the initial years of pastoring. Uh, and the way I deal with things now, I would say that one of the areas of leadership that I had to develop in would have been in emotional intelligence. And ministry can be very painful. Um, as I said earlier, there are occupational hazards and vocational hazards to, to ministry. And um, not every day is a great day. There, there's disappointment, there's betrayal, there are lies, there are rumors, there's criticism. And all of those things affect us because we are humans. You know, we're human beings. And so even though we have to find a way to rise above that, uh, it doesn't mean that we're not affected by it. And so what that what does that mean? What does it look like? One of the things that it ended up with, that it, that it looked like for me, I had to start with some self-interrogation and start asking myself, okay, well, why does this bother you? Okay, you're you angry, but why are you angry? And, and those are hard questions, but they help lead to a type of self-awareness that I think that can only be developed when we're willing to do the hard work of introspection and the interior work that is necessary for our own truth telling and the truth telling that we have to uh, do in the presence of God. It sounds like to me that you, you've uh, been blessed to discern some areas of development and then be intentional about doing that. And, and so that intentionality is a part of the hard work uh, of being a pastor, but um, I have also experienced joy uh, in being a pastor. And be quite honest, I, you know, I take great offense to people who say, you know, if you can do anything else, go do it. Um, and, yeah. and, uh, as though being in ministry as vocation, you know, is not worthy uh, of, of both your preparation and authentic uh, pursuit, pursuing. Right. So can you tell us something that brings you the most joy as a pastor? Fundamentally, I would say seeing a life changed by the power of God, a life that's been touched by the power of God, the qualitative change that comes from seeing a person walk through those doors in one state and not only seeing them, seeing the change, but watching the evolution because growth really is incremental. And so learning to be patient as God does the work in not only in them, but also in me uh, has been one of the greatest joys of pastoring. I, I would also say that congregational care and pastoral care is a part of my DNA. And so I've made it a part of the DNA of our church and watching our members care for each other, uh, genuinely care for each other has been uh, another joy. And then I, I'd also say caring for the community, being an extension of Christ's body, caring for the community in tangible ways, uh, investing in global missions, and also 
being an employer uh, for, I would say probably the last 20 years, we have been able to employ people and give them an opportunity for improvement over, over life change, life circumstances. Of course, you know, you don't, they don't, they're not getting rich, but they have stability and the stability has given them a type of sustainability uh, in their own lives. And it's, it's just great to be able to do that through the church. And I just have one more question uh, as we uh, come to the end of our time together. Okay. And that question is this, what advice would you like to give to our listeners around the country and around, and around the world about what they might do to flourish in ministry? Being clear, having a sense of clarity about who I am, who God is calling me to be, and being able to walk in that calling with authentic, with authenticity and with integrity, I think is important to flourishing in ministry because people are not looking for somebody else. They're looking for the you that God made you to be. And then the final thing I would say is, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, and that is to have that non-negotiable connection with God, to stay connected to God. Jeremiah 17, verse seven through eight, says it this way, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They should be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when he comes and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious and it does not cease to bear fruit. So the tree doesn't just thrive, doesn't just survive, it thrives. And not only does it bear fruit, but it bears fruit continually, even when it looks like it's barren because the seasons do change. And there are seasons that we live through, through through drought, but that tree is fueled by the unseen roots of our spirituality, which burrows deep and wide. And the source is God. I haven't lasted 25 years as a woman in ministry because of because I had all the gifts or the skills or because I did everything right or because I didn't make mistakes or I didn't even sometimes try to run ahead of God. But I've been sustained because I've been connected to a life giving source and that life giving source, that inner spirituality has sustained me through every season of life or ministry in these 25 years. And my prayer is, is that however long I remain in this role, that that life-giving source will continue to provide the strength and resilience to keep, to keep flourishing in ministry. Dr. Gina M. Stewart, the lead pastor of the Christ Missionary Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, Thank you, Pastor Stewart, for the generosity of your time and your wisdom in our conversation on this Pilgrimage of Striving and Thriving podcast. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Dr. Goatley. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. 
Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcarry.org. Thank you.